This is their new hoax. But you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. We're all feeling the impact of coronavirus. Today, Qantas stood down 20,000 people, and of course, they're joining a long list. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Welcome to Nursing Review's new podcast. Each episode, we'll look at a different aspect of the pandemic, tackling myths, talking research, and keeping you informed. Right, and then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost... My name is Connor Burke, and this is the Nursing Review Coronavirus Podcast. This episode of the podcast is special because I finally get to speak with uh, with one of you, a frontline nurse, and this particular nurse has had direct experience treating COVID patients. Ashley Peters works on the COVID-19 ward at Westmead Hospital. That's for suspected or positive patients who need some degree of hospital care, not necessarily intensive care. Ashley, thanks for chatting with me. How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm doing good. You're Yourself? Right? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Um, it's a Friday. You're just about to start a shift. I'm winding my day down. Um, you know, talk to me a bit about, you know, an average day on, on the COVID ward. Oh, well, it's hard to say with average days because there's really nothing really average about it. Mm. <laughs> um, well, pretty much you walk onto the ward like any other. You change from your scrubs and you go into a surgical scrub so that you don't have to take dirty scrubs home and potentially expose your family to mm. COVID. So, I mean, that's a good thing that we've got going for us. Um, you go around, you do a quick handover of the ward, then you go and get your bedside handover. You have a quick look at the patients, um, how their day's been and everything. Then um, when the meal times come around, so we have afternoon tea, um, that's generally when we go into the rooms, we take, well, we don on all of our PPE, so gowns, masks, gloves, goggles, all of that, go in, introduce ourselves to the patient, give them tea or coffee, whatever their preference is, and we have a bit of a chat with them, assess them, do odds, and we start from there. Mm. How much does that sort of stuff, the donning and doffing and the extra layer of caution kind of affect the general day to day? Because, um, you know, I'm thinking normally you might just pop around and you might just think, oh, I'll pop in on Alan or I'll go see, you know, Ruth and just say hello. Or But now I guess you can't do that because you have to change in and out of things every time. So you have to pick your times when you're going to see these patients, right? Yeah, yeah. So it does make it very challenging, um, mainly because, as you said, what we're normally used to being able to walk in and out at our leisure um, to see our patients, to talk to our patients, to grab them anything. Mm. Um, whereas now we have to be very mindful of what we're going in there to do and to bring everything kind of all at once mm. um, to go in. Um, we do use um, kind of like buddied nursing. So we have a nurse waiting outside. So if we have forgotten something, we can just ask them to grab it for us. Mm-hmm and pass it through to us so that we don't have to um, don off, take all our PP off to then put new ones on, and it kind of reduces the exposure as well. Mm. So we're not constantly going in and out of the room. 
but it does make it difficult for the patients in that aspect because they don't get as much of a um, the physical connections that you normally get when you're in a hospital. Um, they're quite isolated whilst they're on a COVID ward for their safety and our own as well, which is one of the unfortunate things about this virus. Mm. If we could just go back a little bit, can you remember when you first heard of COVID-19? think I know I heard about it briefly towards the end of last year everyone was making jokes about how like if you drink a corona you're gonna get it so it didn't seem anything too scary just sounded like a joke that was going around Hmm. but then coming into this year and how it's taken off and it started to affect like everywhere worldwide and coming to our country as well and affecting our family, our friends and our loved ones. It's become very real, eye-opening and scary, yeah. I guess. And, and obviously Westmead, you got the first patients. Um, so you guys yeah. have been in the thick of it the whole time. Can you remember the first time you heard of it in a professional setting? So did you, was it the first day a patient came or when did you kind of, when was it starting being talked about seriously in, in the hospital? Um, so in the hospital, I think it was when we like got, our first case or our first crude case in the country that it started to become a bit more of a, okay, we're going to need to start thinking how we're going to care for patients if we, if this does become a pandemic, which it has. Um, So they started the whole planning of what would go on, how we care for them, putting all these policies and procedures in place. Um, So pretty much from the get-go, the minute it kind of reached our borders. We were already trying to jump on top of it, taking like information from what we could gather from other countries and how they've gone about it, how they've treated it and implementing that into our care plan as well. Mm, and can, so, you, can you remember what it, what it felt like, you know, that kind of period where it went from a joke to real? Can you remember, you know, because I, I don't think, I know they, in medical schools and in, you know, universities teaching nursing, they will probably mention pandemics and epidemics and so on, but I can't imagine it ever felt like it was going to happen to you. Pretty much when we go through uni, as you said, we don't, we talk about pandemics and we have little conversations, but we never really expect them to happen or come forth. So it was kind of surreal to see this go from being a joke to then escalate as rapidly as it did. So just wrapping your head around the seriousness of it all and I just trying to gather as much information about COVID was the challenging part because there was so much unknown. It just felt like we were unprepared for everything, mm-hmm. mainly because there was so little information that you could get from it. So you had to always just be preparing for the worst if anything. So it did give that kind of fear factor and yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for you as well, it's interesting because you've only graduated at the end of 2018. Um, You've been working at Westmead, I think, for nearly a year, Um, six months in ED, and you then were in theatre in the surgical ward. That was closed then to make room for COVID patients. And so you were retrained for the COVID role. What did you feel like when you know, this new thing that they're suddenly talking about, when you got the tap on the shoulder and they said, this is where you're going and what you'll be doing? Well, I found it very different because I've always been working in fast-paced environments with, like, heavy patient loads, quick turnarounds, 
And to go from that to having to slow down and stop and think before entering a room, it's very, very challenging to kind of change the way you work normally, um, given that we've got to prepare ourselves with our PPE, making sure that we're putting it on all properly, taking it off all properly and like keeping up with our hygiene and cleaning our workstations and everything. Um, that's something that we did like within our normal ward, but now we've had to step it up and make sure we do it every time we pretty much touch anything that has come into contact with a patient, if we go in like to a patient's room. Um, so I think that was the most challenging part, like get grasping the concept of the PPE and just how important it is to be putting it on properly, taking it off properly and making sure that it is on before we go and do anything for a patient. Mm -hmm. So it's challenging when like you can see a patient having a fall or starting to deteriorate and your first reaction is to just run in there, but you've kind of got to tell yourself, no, you've got to put on the PP before you could go in and help. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's just going against your instincts. So mm -hmm. it was kind of challenging at first to kind of retrain yourself on what you need to do before you're able to go in and assist a patient. And can you tell us a bit about, you mentioned earlier the differences, obviously you don't get to have that interaction as much with patients, but what about the, the symptoms? What are the patients you're treating? What are they going through? Um, so it does differ for each patient. Some people tend to have a more aggressive kind of symptoms from COVID in comparison to others. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it does come down to respiratory. Um, so they do have a lot of difficulty breathing. Um, their oxygen saturations do tend to drop down as well. They Some people end up having like a productive cough and start bringing up sputum and phlegm. And others, it's more of a dry cough. They're quite lethargic and weak. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's quite unsettling to see people in such a condition and not be able to sit there and talk to them and kind of like help them through this because you've also got to look out for yourself and your own safety. Yeah. Um, like with the N95s and P2 masks, there's only so long you can stand in there mm -hmm. wearing them before you have to step out and allow yourself to get that fresh air so mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to allow yourself to be able to give like the holistic care that the patient needs but mm -hmm. also making sure that you're caring for yourself and, um, and I mean are, are they scared are you seeing people because again you guys don't know and we as a society don't know a lot about this I mean with maybe the flu or other things you can say this is what you're going through and this is what we expect to see or I mean are they scared because they don't really know what's happening to them yeah so I do think that the patients are quite scared in one sense mainly because it is a new virus it has gotten a lot of media attention and um, particularly when you look at other countries you see this catastrophic death rate um, people get quite anxious when like that they've got something that has such a high death toll and they're not sure what 
like there really is no treatment for it at the moment. It's mm. pretty much just monitoring symptom and symptom management. There isn't a vaccine, and I think that's what's scaring a lot of people is the uncertainty of their outcome. Like we're lucky to have very few deaths in this country, which I'm personally grateful for because it's not it's not nice seeing people have to suffer through something like this, let alone having to be away from their family at this time. And I think that's another thing that causes like the patients to have this anxiety and fear about the coronavirus is because they have to go through this alone. They don't have familiar faces. Their normal support systems aren't there. Um, most people, when they are sick, they, it's the simple act of someone holding a hand and that like human connection and contact that a lot of people respond well to. Um, yes, we do have like the FaceTime and phone calls and all of that, but it's not the same as having a family member sitting across from you, being able to hold their hand, give them a hug. So I think just the whole like frame of caring as well is also something that patients aren't used to. Mm -hmm. um, because they can't see their loved ones on top of having to go through this as well. And what about, I mean, I mentioned earlier that you're seeing patients who um, are in maybe earlier stages of treatment or lower levels of treatment, but have you seen patients who have who pass through and then go to that intensive care level of care or have they got worse? Um, yeah, I have had a few patients who... We've had to send them to ICU because they've just deteriorated. And what are their, what's um, their experience? Like, what are the things that are escalating um, that, you know, causes them to go to that intensive care? Um, so pretty much um, with my experience, it's been respiratory distress. They have increased work of breathing. Their saturation levels drop down to the 80s and they start to become a bit confused, very lethargic and tired um, and just end up sitting on the side of the bed like almost gasping for air because they just can't get enough in. So then from my experience, a few of them have had to end up in the ICU and intubated for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, have any symptoms surprised you? We're kind of, again, the a lot of media outlets and anecdotal evidence from other countries, there's been some interesting or different symptoms and side effects in different countries. Has anything surprised you about it? Um, not particularly. Um, yeah, no, because okay. everything I've seen, there are, like, there have been some people presenting with, like, gastric upset, mm -hmm. but when you look at the grand scheme of things and that you get given a fever You've got like an increased work of breathing and some respiratory distress. Um, you're not going to be eating much. Your fluid intake is going to be a bit depleted. Some gastric upset is going to be normal mm -hmm. when you take all of that into consideration. So nothing really surprising, but it doesn't really coincide with a respiratory virus, I guess. Yeah. And what about you in your personal life? I mean, how has this affected, um, you know, first of maybe your family life? Um, so with my family life, I try to kind of stay away from everyone. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I usually go and visit um, 
some of my aunties and uncles and my grandparents quite frequently. So I haven't been doing that. Um, I've mainly just been staying in contact with people by calling them. Um, so it's kind of kind of sad because, you know, family's important. I'd love mm-hmm. to be able to just run up to them, give them all big hugs. Yeah. But um, I've got to be mindful of where I work and that's like, for instance, my grandparents, because they are of the age population, they have a higher risk factor of getting COVID. Um, so I wouldn't want to risk putting them in that position. Of course. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking as well, maybe the people you live with, um, family partners, I mean, do you kind of, you said about, you know, I guess you can't just rock home in your scrubs maybe like you used to. Um, I mean, do you, at any point, have you kind of worried about that? Has that been an extra pressure worrying about coming home? Um, When we first started, yes, it was definitely um, a point of concern, uh, mainly because no one wanted to have to go home and expose their family. Um, A lot of people raised like issues and concerns in regards to that. So that's why they came with the suggestion of changing into scrubs and um, giving us the kind of facilities to be able to shower at work as well. Um, So, yeah, it was a concern at the beginning um, with my work scrubs. I still take off my shoes, don't let them enter the house. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just leave them at work. Um, the minute I get home, I just run straight into the shower and shower again. Mm-hmm. So, like, once you work out a routine, you kind of settle a bit more and you feel a bit less tainted, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I definitely get that. I, I yeah. shower after going out anyway, and I don't come in contact yeah. with COVID patients, so I can imagine yeah. for you. Um, and, and just what about in general? I mean, have you felt an added stress or added pressure dealing with something that is just the biggest thing in the world at the moment um it's hard to say like i yes there is an added component of stress um mainly because it's just so different and so new no one's really sure what the best treatment method is and it's always changing um so i guess there's always just that little voice in the back of your head that goes is this what we should be doing? Is this the best thing that we should be doing for these people? And yeah, so there is that element of stress added, but at the same time, the group of people that we work with are just fantastic. Like the whole multidisciplinary team, everyone's very understanding because we're all in the same boat. We all try to communicate effectively with each other. Um, I think that the doctors and nurses and all of the other staff, like the orderlies, um, everyone, have just been doing a great job at helping the patients themselves, but also helping everyone else and the rest of the like healthcare system. Because, as you said, like there is an extra added component of stress, and it's made better by having a friendly and engaging work environment where you can sit around and have a bit of a joke and kind of debrief after any kind of like bad situations that have gone on. So I think that is really helpful Mm -hmm. to kind of take away the stress so it doesn't feel like it is as much. And I mean, have you learned anything about yourself, you know, as a person or a nurse kind of, you know, as a result of the pandemic? Um, Yeah, I think that 
as horrible as this will sound, I do enjoy working in a pandemic kind of situation. I think I I like the chaos of it all. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Um, that's, that's an insight into your personality, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm very... I like to be on the front line. I like to be able to help. I like the research side of things. So I find it all very interesting and intriguing. Um, I like helping like come up with the ideas of what might fit into like the best practice for this kind of virus. Um, a lot of the time we spend like talking before we implement something to make sure that everyone's on the same page. We put forth suggestions as to what could work better, what isn't working. Um, so there's been a lot of debate and we've all been able to have our own input into how we manage with these patients. So, yeah, I think just being able to voice your opinion and then see your opinion put into action, um, I don't know, there's something that I just, it feels right for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I think a lot of people who who are going through this, you know, maybe not necessarily nurses or health professionals, are feel maybe changed as a result of the way life has changed. Do you think this has changed you at all as a nurse or as a person? Um, yeah, I want to say yes, because like I think people are just now becoming more self-aware. Um, like you go out to the shops and you see everyone's like washing their hands using hand sanitizer that's something that wasn't overly common um a lot and it's a concept that's quite new to everyday society because in the healthcare system hand hygiene is one of the most important things to maintain and to keep up with always washing your hands and just keeping clean and just seeing how the community is taking this and is actually doing quite well with maintaining their hand hygiene um yeah i think it has somehow changed people like in small ways Mm -hmm. nothing overly dramatic but i feel like there is a change well look ashley thank you so much for giving us a a little little insight into what it's like working with covid patients Uh, and thanks very much for for doing the job that you do not too easy thank you (laughs) 